0: Hello and welcome to the Ram Gad Pod, the Realtors Association of Maui Government Affairs Director Podcast. I am your host, Jason Economu, and I am joined today by Councilmember Mike Molina, Council Seat for the Makawao, Paia and Haiku Districts, as well as Chair of the Governance, Ethics and Transparency Committee. Hello, Councilmember. How are you doing, Jason? Glad to be here. I am so happy to be interviewing you. Thank you for sitting down with me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, we don't have a a ton of time, but you've been gracious with your time. We just finished up a grassroots meeting, so this is like the second hour of you having to deal with me. Um, But let's just go ahead and jump in with some questions related to your time on the council. This is not your first time serving on the county council, correct? True. Mm -hmm. So, you first got into office back in 2001.
1: Correct uh we, we were fortunate to win in uh november of 2000 and got sworn in in january and was blessed for another uh, five terms after that so coming back now to the council and in this uh i guess uh, period of time it's quite a different uh changeover from uh, when i was last on the council but it's certainly been very interesting and exciting i i want to ask you about that so first
0: what brought you into politics the first time around in 2001 and you, you served for five consecutive terms, so mm-hmm. 10 years in all, mm-hmm. and you took a break. Mm-hmm.
1: What brought you back this time around? Well, I, you know, honestly, I was looking at retirement, but I was encouraged by a few folks that um, they wanted somebody uh, with some prior experience on the council and uh, looking at some of the uh, issues that, were, uh, that the community is facing that some people felt that, well, I guess you could say a lot of people felt that they wanted somebody who was Already I'd had, had some prior experience with some of the um, important concerns in the community like housing and infrastructure issues. Uh, I was encouraged to run again and and granted once you've had a taste of uh, uh, politics it doesn't completely go away and the best thing I, I found with politics was just the people you meet along the way. I think that's the blessing out of everything else that uh, went on during my previous tenure in politics was the people I got to know. and the uh, education process you know you know what what uh, you hopefully learn from me I can learn a lot from you so it's it's somewhat reciprocal between two people so those are the things I really appreciated about politics and uh, the eight years that I was out out of politics I truly truly missed it so when an opportunity came up to run again I said why not and let the chips fall where they may and I was fortunate to get uh, elected back to office in 2018. During
0: those Eight years that you were out. Were there any issues that arose that you were just thinking to yourself, "Man, I wish I was in office. I wish I could, I could sink my teeth into this one."
1: Oh well, where do you want me to start? <laughs> no. um, there were a couple of things. Um, you know what was really interesting was the uh, GMO issue. Um, I, I I had been working as an executive assistant for uh, former mayor uh, Alan Arakawa, and I know it was a very contentious issue on the council uh, at, at that time. So. That's something I wish I w- had gotten involved with uh, as far as as a council member. It would have been interesting to take part in that. And um, other issues maybe more related to housing. Uh, it, it's sort of like well, once you get out of the game, but when you watch from the sidelines, you, you, you say to yourself, well, I wouldn't have made that decision or this is what I would have done. So that's sort of where I was at uh, during that time period when I was working up in the mayor's office for eight years, which I'm also thankful for because it gave me the experience of working on the executive branch and having you know, worked on the legislative branch before that, um, I think coming back now, it's really helped me become a more uh, a complete elected official, if you know what I'm saying in terms of experience. Mm. As in for- the executive branch, you enforce the laws that's created by the legislative branch. So now, uh, as an, a lawmaker again, now when I hear concerns from the executive branch about you know, if you guys pass this law, this is what could happen, now I have a deeper understanding of the unintended consequences. So having had that experience on, well having the experience on both the executive and the legislative branch, I think is very helpful for me as an elected official today.
0: Have, have you noticed any big changes in the political landscape from that time that you had served back in 2001 through 2011 and now?
1: Yeah, um, I, I, well, within my own uh, political party, although the, it's a non, non-partisan election, but everybody has their political uh, party roots, and mine. I'm a Democrat. I'm I've seen a more a, a big shift towards a more progressive movement in a Democrat party. I'm I guess I'm more of a, mo- a moderate in the party, but I've seen a. a Stronger movement with the progressive side, uh, more younger people, younger demographics coming out of the progressive side, and that's a good thing. I mean, we, we may not always agree uh, as far as the on the ideological aspects, but that's what democracy is all about. And so that's what I, I've seen a big shift in that area from the political side. Um, in terms of campaigning, uh, um, it's gotten a lot more nastier than mm. when I first ran. Um, in, in I guess maybe. Growing up here on Maui, it all—it was always like if you didn't agree with something, you know, you, you say it respectfully. Now um, I've seen the attacks people take on one another. It's become more personal, and and you could see the trend happening on a national level, and it just trickles down to the local level. So that's that's something I've seen much more so here in local politics, especially on the in the higher offices—mayor, um, senate, governor—but it is what it is but the, if i had one wish is for everybody to just treat each other with a little bit more respect mm. I and mean, it's fine to disagree but let's let's do it respectfully
0: it i find it interesting that that you call yourself more of a moderate um, when it comes to to being a democrat because you are known for a few pieces of legislation back in your first stint um mm-hmm. one of them being the the plastic bag ban mm-hmm. um, one of them being the first time home buyers program and then the other being the affordable housing fund mm-hmm. now those three are pretty progressive ideas mm-hmm. especially when you got those passed mm-hmm. um do you do you really see yourself as as a moderate or is it you're a moderate compared to what is now being called progressive yeah i
1: think that's a bit more accurate description more a moderate compared to uh, the more moderate progressives, but Progressives, but in terms of the traditionals, I'm kind of like the guy that goes out on a limb a little bit, uh, and it's it's funny because my family background, I uh, I had uh, several uncles and relatives that were former elected officials. I had one side of my family who were Democrats, another side who were Republicans. My dad was a Republican, my mom was a Democrat, so I, I grew up with both, and and I can understand the the, the social needs which Democrats promote and course the uh, business side with the Republicans Uh, so I got a little taste of everything so I guess how I became what I am today I I felt my outlook on things is you you have to take a little bit of both sides and work with people and do what's best for the community as a whole and some of my friends tease me that I'm a closet environmentalist because of the plastic bag legislation the outdoor lighting bill we put out there also we put out a bill that banned the taking of uh, tropical fish Mm. And then of course I have my business side that you know I've always been a proposed uh, supporter of uh, some developments and housing and so forth. So some people have told me they they can't figure me out. I don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing, but it is what it is. And so uh, I, I try to take, you know, I, I, I try to look at each issue and not put the political side onto my decision making. I generally go at my heart with what I think is the best decision for the community. So. Now, you, you, my wife tells me she can't figure, she can't figure me out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's uh, you brought up the
0: that your family has a background in mm-hmm. politics. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's go way back. I I wasn't gonna touch too much on your past, but why don't you just give us the the short autobiography okay. of you grew up here, right? Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so so tell us about growing up and what your parents did, what your family was like and then where did this this um commitment to public service come from
1: okay well let me start first i was uh, born and raised in makoa my parents were business owners um the current property casanova's we owned that property for many years and we sold it in 2019 so we used to have a very well-known steakhouse in makoa it was called club rodeo and dad put me to work already in the restaurant at about seven or eight years old washing dishes and buttering up garlic bread and (laughs) And I even um, he, uh, one of my I guess how he how I learned math was and memorization skills was memorizing uh, bottles of whiskey and the prices. I mean, he'd prop me up on the counter and he'd uh, point to a certain bottle of liquor. Okay, what's the name of that that liquor bottle and how much is it and and then eventually he taught me how to um, give back change. I mean, uh, I don't wanna say I was selling liquor, but <laughs> you know, uh, times were very loose in those days, but that's how I got my formal education in mathematics and memorization skills. And then after that, it was the, um, you know, my dad had a, more of a Eurocentric work ethic. So that was instilled in me to you know, work hard and um, do it honorably. And mom was always there too, as far as giving back to the community. She was very active in the planning of the Eddie Tam complex. Um, uh, She was the secretary for the Makwa Recreational Council at the time. And this was the big planning for that whole complex. So I didn't realize after she passed away, how involved she was in it. So so you have that commitment to the community comes from my mom and then dad with the work ethic. And then of course, I, I mentioned to you earlier, I had uncles that were involved in politics. So all of that combined, you know this is what you have today and then uh from high school i, I, I initially planned to go to college but when you're just getting c's in high school you you <laughs> sort of say to yourself you know maybe college is not good for me at this time so i joined the service and I joined the Air Force, and then I was sent to upstate New York. So you talk about culture shock to go from Makawa to upstate New York. And, but I had a, my, my sergeant, who was my supervisor, he, he reinstilled that work I- ethic in me from my dad, and he really pushed me to go to school after, the, after I did my time in the service. So I really want to thank him. His name was Ted Perry, Jr., good, good guy, and he, uh, he helped me. He put me on a good path and of course having good parents and you know my parents are now deceased but i'm really appreciative of them both for you know uh, i don't know how my mom and dad raised five kids and then put all of us through school but they they did it and they worked many long hours so something i've never forgotten so and uh, then i became a public school teacher after I, I completed my uh served time in the military and went to uh hilo and so i was a public school teacher and for about 12 12 years or so and one day the political bug bit, uh, I said, uh, as I was telling to you earlier, uh, prior to the podcast, um, I was motivated to run because I had a concern in my town and I called uh, the area council member and never got a phone call back. And I told my wife, one day I I wanna run for public office but the one thing I won't do is what this person did to me and, which is not return my phone calls and respond to my letters. So. That's sort of how it all started. And in 1998, we ran for the first time. Uh, we came up a little bit short, but um, my feeling was I didn't blame anybody but myself. I didn't work hard enough. I didn't get the word out. So I decided we're going to give it one more shot in 2000. And we worked hard. And and we were lucky that chips uh, fell where we wanted to fall. And we we're in. Was that long enough for you? That was perfect. <laughs> that, was, that was very
0: succinct, very, succinct, very perfect. Very how has your political philosophy uh, grown as far as what you see as the role of government? I mean, a decade in office plus plus your your current term, um, plus the eight years in the mayor's office. You you certainly must have learned a lot. So mm-hmm.
1: so from where you started out, what what changes developed? You know, I, I you hear all the stories about certain politicians. It's more like we'll tell you what's best for you or i'll see you when i want to see you i i I have a different philosophy you know i you know i i work for you you pay my salary so um i'm here to service you that's how so i look at it as like a service industry job basically strange as it sounds but you know uh, and my job is to engage with you to work with you to collaborate come up with with uh, solutions that can help you know address the concerns in the community um, irregardless of my uh, party views irregardless if you've supported me or not during the election th- it's my job to, to work with you and that's sort of the foundation of my philosophy is how I operate in this and what my role is as, as your council member and to me the best ideas come from a collision of ideas people putting their ideas together and then that's how you get solutions uh, like Sound legislation, like if I could use for example the Affordable Housing Fund, that will, that happened because of a lot of uh, folks in the industry putting their ideas together with us, members of the council, and uh, the plastic bag in uh, plastic bag bill came from ideas from the environmentalist community. So those are two. I always use those two examples as an example of collaboration and bringing in ideas from the outside so it's not just uh, the council members idea or the mayor's idea it was really the community's idea that's the kind of legislation i like i really that puts a smile on my face you know that uh if if we we put out something good that benefits the community where everybody had a hand in it that's what i call sound and winning legislation that's what you know I, i really get excited about
0: do you have any regrets from from your first tenure in office as far as maybe legislation that you supported that you didn't want to or just how you approached a certain issue that that you would change how you did that now
1: it's been a number of years on now and I'm I i can not come up with specifics at this time but there there may have been a one or two instances where I, I maybe should have reconsidered my vote on it but you make a decision; you have to live with it. Um, and there have been some issues where, no matter which way you vote—yes or no—it's uh, it's almost no win. Uh, but other than that, I really have no regrets. I, I think I, whatever decision I've made, I, I, I always, especially the hard ones, I always thought it through. I did the research, and that's how I formulated my my decision. And knowing that you know, there's going to be a group of people that's not. Don't agree with it, but that's what politics is about. And you, I, I've always believed in you make the decision that you can best sleep with. Because I tell you, some of them, no matter which way you go, yes or no, you're going to toss and turn. But you just sometimes have to go with your gut feeling.
0: How do you deal with making an unpopular decision?
1: Well, I'm having a couple of strong refreshments first, <laughs> before I know. No, um, I, I will do a lot of self reflection. I'll talk to people first, uh, people, well, people that I know and trust a lot, what's, you know, ask them what their take is on on the issue. And so I, I, I do a lot of, well, initially self-reflection, then talking to people, and then uh, just basically go in a room by myself, turn the lights off, and then decide, because, uh, and there have been times where I, I even haven't, the decision wasn't even made until right there at the meeting. I, I've gone into meetings still on the fence with things.
0: Can you share one of those instances
1: with <laughs> Oh boy, I think the injection well issue. That, that was, was a one, one of those. It was tough, it was tough because there were good arguments on both sides, but uh, ultimately it just came down for me. I, I just, in, from my own personal feeling, I wanted to put an end to uh, the lawsuits, the litigation, and I wanted to stop with the polluting of it, uh, the whole issue because it's been ongoing and of course, it may be moot now because the issue is now at the Supreme Court level. So, but for me, why why I decided to go the way I did was I just, as a personal feeling, because of Mount um, not wanting to pollute, and the people who live in the area and who also recreate in the area. I, I took into consideration their concerns as well. So, that's how it went. But that was a tough one, I tell you. It was just a, a coin toss. I, I like to call those a coin tosser, you yeah. know. <laughs> and of course, some of the information we I'd gotten initially didn't jive with the information that I got. Cause you know, it went through two, uh, we had two different committee meetings. One of them ended in a 4-4 deadlock, then was brought back. And then when we had a full nine member committee, it went 5-4. So there's a, a mesh or a combination of a lot of things, which made me change my my decision from the prior meeting. So, but yeah, that was an example. It was, it was, it was a, a humdinger, you know? That was a humdinger. <laughs> yeah. I, but, but, but what I loved about it though was just, hearing the the people's arguments on both sides. It was a beautiful thing to witness though, you know, even seeing our young people coming out and speaking their mind. But the whole process and it's still an ongoing process mm. yet, uh, you know. So it's an exercise in democracy. I mean, everything from the whole litigation aspect and now with the uh, the representation corporation council, who do they represent? The mayor or the council? I mean, it's it's, it's something that's fascinating to say the least. A lot came up with oh, that. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> we could spend another two we, hours on like really this. We really could. <laughs> I, I was
0: amazed um, personally mm-hmm. by the the way communication was happening in the, the chamber, um, not necessarily between the folks who were testifying and the council members, but between the the audience mm-hmm. in the chamber and, and the folks who were testifying and the council members. I mean, people mm-hmm. were... were shaking signs and yeah and <laughs> it got
1: really emotional
0: it got very emotional yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so so i i commend you for for how you handled such an emotional oh, um situation even though you disagreed with me but that's yeah, good it's okay I, it's, I, I a, like, it's uh,
1: a very that's what uh, democracy is about and you know yeah, and, and, and that and it's interesting with the uh, like you mentioned about how the handling of it it was it, it, it had its challenges at times, but at the same time, as the chair running the meeting, sometimes you have to let people vent to an extent, as long as it doesn't get to be, you know, get out of hand, so to speak. So, but um, everybody involved pretty much, you know, conduct themselves uh, appropriately. So, fortunately, there were no incidents, you know. So, other than that, it was, well. Talk about uh, baptismal, you know, getting getting back into the council. Like, whoa, boy, this is what I've missed for the last eight years. <laughs> you know? But, uh, but I enjoy. It.
0: Now, your first year back in office is just about wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you
1: proud of? Well, so far uh, we, well, the the GET committee, we uh, went through that confirmation process of all the directors. Uh, I'm just happy we got stuff done in terms of that area. Um, you know, because there were some very contentious nominations. But we, we got through it all. Uh, we've been dealing with all the uh, settlements uh, uh, between uh, plaintiffs and, of course, the county being the defendant. We're addressing that um, right now. And, of course, then on, uh, the housing issue so far. I think we've supported a number of uh, housing projects. There were there were a couple of housing projects that came under some controversy, but you know we dealt with that. So we're moving in the right direction, this council. And, of course, we're looking at uh, restructuring the real property tax system, potentially. Um, but it's still a work in progress. So uh, this is, I guess some have told me that this is a somewhat progressive council than other councils in the past. A more uh, react, um, what's that term? I guess re- being reactive and more pro- of a proactive council. More proactive. Less yeah. reactive, because I've been on a part of a lot of reactive councils. This one's a very proactive council, and of course, Uh, one interesting dynamic now is of course you have a majority of women I've never been a part of a council where the women outnumbered the men so which is pretty pretty neat I mean it's uh, i think it's high time it's great to have you know the the ladies in charge you know um, and and offering this much more balance uh, and and different perspectives and that's another thing with this particular council it's um, everybody's more open to say what they're not going along the so-called party lines you know it's Everybody, you've seen a lot of folks, there, there was this perception that there were the uh, five progressives mm. and the four, I guess, I was part of the four. Uh, established. Established, there you go. But there's been a lot of crossover, you know, and I'm, I'm one of them, you know, and, and of course I know another one or two from the other side have come on these perception of the uh, establishment. But I don't think you're seeing that on this council so much as people thought they would. But uh, I, I think the the relationships I've had with everybody has been very open and good. And um, you have the extremes. You have Ricky Okama, who's been there many years. And he's got so much institutional knowledge. And you have, um, what was it, three, maybe four freshman council members. Yeah. And then you have people like myself and Alice Lee who are sort of, the, sort of the go-betweens, you know? We, uh, so. It's a really nice, interesting mix, to say the least. And I, th- you know, we're we're moving in the right direction to get things done and addressing the concerns that are out there in the community. It may not uh, be to the satisfaction of all, but I don't think there's ever been a perfect council, and you're always going to have disagreement. But that's that, that's why you have politics, you know. And I think this is a real interesting time for us here in Maui County with all of the uh, other issues that are surfacing, and we need to be progressive and and think ahead and not be so much reactive and, you know, come up with the ideas even before the mayor does. You know, let's put it out there. So, uh, and not to say this is a competition or anything, but while at the same time do our best to work with the mayor because, you know, we need each other. Mm. And so we have to sometimes put put aside our political hats and put the swords down and work together for the best of the community. But things tend to ratchet up during an election year. So we'll see how, how that goes during an election year. But we'll all certainly work hard to do our best and respond to the needs of our constituency. Is there anything you're disappointed by over the the course of the last year? Mm, To be honest, I can't think of anything at at this point. Um, Well, uh, I did have a little disagreement with the mayor on an issue, but uh, other than that, it's just just politics. Uh, Nothing personal against the mayor. I think he's a good man. He's got a great family and his heart is in the right place. And um, I hope he thinks the same of me. <laughs> but you know, but, it, but uh, it, it's all good. I mean, we're, we're still ultimately neighbors. Every one of us, whether we uh, disagree or agree, uh, we still have to work together. And um, I, at this point, not going to have no no regrets yet. You know, <laughs> so because there's still another year left. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to the next election. I might as well say it. I'm, I intend to run for another term, and. Uh, hoping that uh, what I've done is um, you know, satisfactory to you know, most people and they'll give me another chance to serve. So with with that in mind,
0: um, you have one year mm-hmm. left in office and you're, you're gonna be running again. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you hoping to accomplish in this year mm-hmm. and what issues are, are going to, to be your primary points of focus in your, your bid for reelection? These
1: are two big ones, is housing of course. Um, well, one, I'm uh, proposing a charter amendment to separate our housing and human services uh, division to, to create a separate housing division so more focus can be put on that. And um, public safety is another big one. I think we need to uh, continue to support our uh, police and fire because I think it's there's a twofold benefit the way I see it, not only for our residents but for our visitor industry as well. If uh, visitors have the perception that Maui is not a safe place, that's not good for our industry, then they're gonna go elsewhere. So those two areas, and of course, let me throw in infrastructure improvements, our roads, um, more uh, water storage, uh, improving our transmission lines. So we save water from leaking out of our old pipes. Um, another thing is well this is more of a long-term a treatment plan for the upcountry area Mm. because there are from my understanding some proposal for some new housing development in the upcountry area and it's growing and I think it's high time we need to seriously take a long-term look at uh, developing a a treatment facility in the upcountry area and I think it's already been talked about for our central Maui uh, treatment facility moving that side up it's gonna be a lot of money but it's got to be done eventually because our island continues to grow so those are some of my priorities at this point.
0: Have, have you um, considered at all what, what the effects on the budget might be mm-hmm. when it comes to the, the housing and human concerns
1: separating those two out? Yes, I have. Uh, it, it may require some more money, uh, obviously, if you're gonna hire more employees. I'm, I'm sort of weighing it at this point, but um, you know, when we divided the public works department, if I could use that as an example, and created a whole new environmental management, that same issue came up. But, you know, it worked out well, because public works by itself had grown too big to deal with environmental management issues, and Mm. that's why we decided to separate it. And yes, that discussion came up, the cost, but as the island grew, so did our our needs, so which is why I think it it ended up being a good thing for the community to have public works and environmental management separated. So I, I sort of envisioned the same thing with separating housing from human services, because our humans, there's been such a great demand for more human service needs on Maui, especially the expanding amount of homeless people. It's becoming... They're dealing with a lot of stuff. And then you had add the mix of the need for housing, and do they even have enough personnel to, to deal with that? You know? So my, my philosophy with getting a separate housing division, you can have a, a director that can focus specifically or has the expertise to focus exclusively on housing, and the current director, we have a wonderful lady. I know her background is more in, in the human services line, and which she does a great job there. And the deputy, the deputy has some housing experience, so it's nice having a deputy like that. She has a little bit of both. And if we divide this department, we we hire somebody who can work specifically as the director of housing. And yeah, there is a cost, but I think I think the cost outweigh, or excuse me, the benefit will outweigh the cost. Uh, the way I see it. But it's something that will be up to the public. It's a charter amendment. And there will be much discussion along the way. So it may or may not make its way out of committee or the council to even get on the ballot. So that's uh, still something that remains to be seen because I'm sure there will be some good good debate on it. And that's what I love about politics, you know, the engaging. Because what I think is good uh, may not be good to someone else. And then when we learn from each other, then, you know, maybe we can reach a happy medium on something. So, whether it passes or not. (laughs) So, with infrastructure,
0: you you talked about um, wastewater treatment plant Mm -hmm. for upcountry. What other infrastructure priorities do you have in mind when you say infrastructure?
1: Well, I think, well, with the uh, roads, well, you know, making sure that we have enough money to continually pave our road, because, it does cost money every time you pave a road per mile, and it continues to go up because uh, pavement is usually petroleum based, and as gas prices go up, the uh, cost of petroleum. So that you know, it's funny. It's the simple little things that sometimes is a, the biggest things for a lot of people. filling get getting those potholes filled or getting those roads that for the longest time have been bumpy. And like one road I can use as an example is Mokapu Street in Kahoe for many, many years. I used there were tree roots underneath. And I think this year when I t- spoke to the public works director, can we please address that road? Because I, I happen to have a, a couple of family and friends that live along there. They said, we've been waiting for how many years? And all these other roads get paved. Can we just finally you know, get this road paved? I said, OK, so we're going to stop waiting on this and let's get it done. And And I wanted to put a plug in for Ms. Dagdag uh, um, uh, uh, Andaya for responding to that. So residents on Mokapo Street are very happy. And so, yeah, uh, roads and maybe even uh, working with the state to add more roads. Well, one in particular, of course, the bypass in Paia. That's something um, I've uh, gone together with some other stakeholders to see what we can do to work with the state to push this thing, you know, I guess, get it done faster. The old saying, the squeaky wheel gets to grease. I think we have to do that, keep making a lot of noise about it. And I've been I mean, getting a lot of cooperation with our uh, state reps, too, you know, Representative Decoit and uh, Senator English. So they've been very helpful. So keeping my fingers crossed that hopefully we can get a uh, pay a bypass before I'm gone. Uh, not only from public office, but just gone from this earth, you know. <laughs> so. so Ten years on
0: um, the county council beforehand. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're back. You're running for re-election. Mm-hmm. Um, are are you content just staying at the council level? Do you have any any higher ambitions?
1: Like president? <laughs> like president? <laughs> yeah. like, Why not? Right? Like Everybody mayor? Knows. I don't know. Uh, well, you know, I've, I've been asked by some folks to consider a run for mayor. Um, in what would that be? Twenty twenty-two. Um, uh, my focus for now is just getting back into office here. Uh, well, it wouldn't make sense for me to run for mayor if I. Lose my reelection for council, right? <laughs> you know. So, but uh, you know, I, 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 at this point, I'm just keeping my options open and just staying focused with this job, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But I need to get this job back first before I even entertain any thoughts for mayor. And and to be fair, you know, being mayor is not easy. I know uh, there's a learning curve for Mayor Victorito, and you know, I know he's doing his best. So, uh, if he uh, does a good job, then I guess that just limits the competition. Why would you want to take a person out if they're doing a good job? Now, if they're not doing a good job, well, of course, it's a democracy. And I, I don't think there's ever been a mayor that went unchallenged here in Maui County. So, you know, uh, and I've always thought competition is good. Uh, myself, I've never run a race without competition. Competition keeps you sharp and keeps you committed. So um, I look forward to whoever uh, decides to run run against me. and. I know, On my part, I'll always keep it clean and spirited. Spirited, but keep it clean. And I encourage people to run for public office because it's, it's not easy. You know, you have a lot of folks out there that you know um, get upset with, with elected officials, and I, I, I usually tell them, well, why don't you run for office? Then the conversation becomes very quiet. They don't want to do it. They, they want to complain, but they don't want to do it. So I just try to politely tell them, well, understand our position in elected office. It's not easy because there's certain things you have to abide by the law. When somebody tells you, "Well, why can't you do this?" Well, it's against the law. You know, mm. I can't just arbitrarily do something without you know uh, making sure that it's consistent with the law. And sometimes people don't think about those things. They just expect you to do it, and they want you to break the law. And maybe they don't even know you, you know what they want is breaking the law. So, and, and it's uh, this is why I think it's important to educate the public on on the powers of what the council can do and what the mayor can do. And as a public school teacher, I was a civics teacher. So I've always been really passionate about uh, emphasizing to our schools to really push um, the uh, the understanding the inner workings of politics, Mm. local government politics for our kids. So when they grow up, they have an understanding and they can educate others. So that way it doesn't seem so uh simplistic for a lot of people as to oh yeah you're in you're in public office you, you you ought to be able to do this well not so fast you know you can't just you can't just break the law just because you want me to and you may not even understand that you, you you're wanting me to break the law and i've had people tell well, i'm not voting for you i said well okay that's that's your prerogative but i'm not going to break the law for you <laughs> for your convenience you know so yeah i'd like to see a lot of um, public education or more emphasis from our schools I think they have, it just depends on the teacher and the the, uh, policies of the uh, school administration, how much emphasis they wanna put on on education on local government. And it's interesting because the uh, teachers union, um, uh, when their endorsement of political officials are more state officials, but I've always told them you should also look at county officials too, because we have a hand in public education on the county level. Mm. Uh, The usage of our county parks for our public schools there's involvement with that too, as well. Uh, the roads, the fire, the police—they work with the kids, they work with parents, and, and the school system. So, I think uh, the teachers' unions and should also, you know, do evaluations of uh, political officials as well.
0: Yeah, you know.
1: I mean, all all politics is local. That's is right. The, that That's right. That, it's a grassroots level. That's where it starts. You know? Do you still substitute teach? Yes, I do. I'm glad you asked that question. I just recently started up again. Um, of course, the council we work every other week. Uh, some council members go back and work at their other jobs. I know we had a former council member that was a hotel general manager. I think our current mayor, when he was on the council, he did insurance as his part-time business and. I just recently decided to go back into the classroom and my understanding is there's a serious shortage of substitute teachers. So anyone listening out there, if you're looking for a part-time job, there's a tremendous need for substitute teachers. So I went back to my old school, I'm subbing there, and it's really interesting. I, it's a lot like coming back to politics. Now, going back into the future as you know, as a substitute teacher, I knew it was so funny. Um, w- one of my most recent jobs was back in my old classroom. So I, I got a chance to reminisce, you know, it's been like 20 years. And of course, the kids have changed now. Ooh, my goodness! Uh, the stuff that you, a teacher has to deal with now versus 20 years ago is quite different. You know, with the social media, cell phones, oh. Facebooks, and all of that stuff, and just the whole uh, demeanor of our kids today is quite different. There's more of a, I sense some more of a sense of entitlement from this younger generation Oh, versus, really? oh yeah, they they question a lot, you know. Um, and versus, well, well, when I was teaching, when I was growing up, it was always. You know the mannerisms are quite different too. A lot of it was yes, please, or please may I do this. A lot of it was please and thank you. I don't see a lot of that from from our kids today. It's more like there's there's no response, no thank you. I I will sometimes say to the child that okay, you're welcome, you know, (laughs) if I do something for you, and and kids will just get out of their seat and go to the door, go to the bathroom. I'm like excuse me, you have to ask first. So. Uh, that's some of the stuff I'm seeing now, but I mean generally most of the kids are great, but there's still a few that uh, you need to work with and, and get them uh, educated with as far as the social mannerisms. You know? so, but it's fun. It, it, it keeps me going. It, it gives me purpose, keeps me uh, young at heart you know, to work with kids again
0: excellent I um, I want to we don't have much time left but I want to share a quick story I that that our listeners I don't think are aware of but I've shared this with you before Mm -hmm. that before ever coming to Maui Mm -hmm. I had heard of this teacher named Mike Molina oh boy because my wife grew up here Mm -hmm. and she told me that one year um, it was the Super Bowl and she grew up in haiku without a TV so she didn't see the Super Bowl and she, she didn't get the paper delivered to her house and, and she showed up to class and her teacher thought he was being nice by giving a pop quiz asking who won the Super Bowl. And my wife had no idea, so that was the only quiz that she ever failed. <laughs> and she she held on to it for so long oh, that twenty boy. years later she, she could did. tell her boyfriend in Uganda oh, that which was me, by the <laughs> way. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that this jerk failed her. Oh, and boy. then I got to meet you and and you're just you're a delight to, to sit and chat with No so. I
1: did pass it though, eventually. Oh, oh yes, yeah. Okay. Yes. Just she, that one she quiz. So she a, never gave me for that. She still
0: never <laughs> Never forgave you for that one.
1: So. Yeah, you asked me the things I regret uh, doing. Uh, maybe that one. That would that have been. Yeah. You <laughs> see how sometimes uh, we assume things. You know, we assume everybody knows this and that. Oh, who won the Super Bowl? And that, that's my fault you know, for assuming. The, the, what's that old saying? Uh, assumption is the uh, well. I guess there's a mm. yeah. You know yeah, be- what? Yeah. <laughs> what
0: happens when you assume? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go.
1: <laughs> but um, but well, I even bet though something
0: stuck with her though she remembered <laughs> that. <laughs> even though she didn't forgive you for that one instance, <laughs> overall she she thinks highly of oh, you. Oh,
1: thanks. Nice to Please give her my aloha. I yeah. I
0: want to uh, finish up with with some questions, mm-hmm. and I it's I'm changing up the set of questions okay. for you. So okay. so you're getting some newer ones. Um, but let's start off with, a, with an
1: easy, a classic. What book would you recommend? <laughs> You'll probably laugh at me. I was, when I was a kid, I, I was heavily into reading sports books. Um, this one book I recall reading. It was called Ball Four. Uh, it was written by a, a former Major League Baseball pitcher. His name was Jim Boughton. And it was a somewhat revolutionary book at the time. It was written in like the late 60s, early 70s. It gave a background look of baseball players. Because before uh, everybody thought baseball players were like gods and they were so picture perfect, but it gave a real, real uh, perspective of what life is like behind the scenes of baseball players. You know, they do all the nasty things that everybody else does. They party, they drink, they did some really foolish things. So, and he was really chastised a lot for doing that, but it was a it was a, sens- a sensational book and. I read that book when I was 12 years old, I remember, and I, I was really fascinated. I never forgot that book. You thought, I'm going to become a baseball player. Yeah, or, or, or it was, <laughs> this is really neat. And then it sort of ties into politics too. Then, you know, sometimes you see when I was growing up, I grew up with the impression, oh, politicians are so upstanding and whatnot, but then behind the scenes, they're different people. So it was sort of a tie into baseball players, and I, I never forgot that book. It was interesting. If you've never read it, look it up. Ball four. Yeah, court. I haven't
0: read it. I'll check yeah, that out. Yeah. Uh, what is
1: guaranteed to make you smile? <laughs> well, helping others, uh, like I, I think I use the example with the legislation that we put out, the uh, affordable housing fund, first-time home buyers, that kind of stuff where everybody pitches in and we have a, a good product, something comes out successful, that kind of stuff makes me, makes me feel uh, happy. Teamwork and accomplishment. Something it. that you yeah. can do that makes other people's lives better. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, what is something that you've changed your mind on? Hmm. I think one was the uh, injection well. <laughs> it was ironic that was. I think we talked about that one too much. But anything else? Why uh, I tell you that's a tough question. Uh, I've changed my mind on for for better or for worse. Either way. <laughs> okay. Well, I think um, getting married. <laughs> you know, I, I, for a long time, I thought I would never get married. I, I, I thought, yeah. I think I'll, I'll just spend the rest of my life being single. But then I decided. Well, I changed my mind. I said I found the right lady, and I decided to get married. So I have no regrets. So that's something I changed my mind on. Because I, I, prior to getting married, I was pretty contented being single, or maybe having a girlfriend, but our companion. But I decided. Well, let's let's try the. Uh, Everybody's been telling me, you gotta try marriage at least once. <laughs> of course, some tried more than one time, but you know, I said, and this is my first and only marriage, so, but yeah. I, How I long have you been my, married for? 28 years.
0: Congratulations. We have
1: three kids. I have a son in San Diego, a daughter in LA, and then our youngest who just graduated from college. She's back home here working. Uh, unfortunately for her, she has to live with mom and dad because she can't afford her own place here and, You know, with the skyrocketing cost of housing here. But all proud, proud of my three kids and I'm uh, appreciative of my wife putting up with me for 28 years. <laughs> um here's a,
0: a new one for you um when have you failed and what did you learn
1: from it why uh well you could go in a lot of different directions on that one Just on my uh relationships with, with before i got married <laughs> i failed on some of those but maybe i won't get into those but uh Ooh. that's a
0: different episode yeah we'll, we'll just do a separate podcast <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, on yeah, you could do a separate podcast on relationship, on that relationship fails
1: <laughs> uh well, well we'll go with athletics i i used to wrestle when i was uh, when i was younger and i remember i won my first two matches in a tournament and then uh i thought oh, okay i think i've got this in a bag i'm gonna i'm gonna win a trophy and then i lost and i had a harsh reality i mean i got really pounded i learned from it and uh, i I guess from that one instance, is never count your chickens before they hatch, you know, and uh, you know, then just have to work harder. Oh, well, the 1998 election, that was another good example. Mm. Like, everybody was telling me, oh, you're the favorite, you're going to win, and maybe that's why I didn't work so hard. Uh, never take anything for granted. And that was an example, I, I think, because of what people were telling me that ah, you look good, you're going to win that election. And i lost mm. so that was a real eye opener and a reality check if you will so that instance i said that's why I, I, I never take any election for granted i don't care who i'm running against whether it be an established person or someone new i'm going to work at it like i'm behind and because it was from that instance i learned from it i said whoa never go by what people are, or rest on your laurels or, or, or just not work hard because somebody's telling, blowing in sweet stuff, in your ear that. Ah, oh, you're 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 the favorite. You're gonna win. Mm-mm, I'm not into that. I'm, I'm gonna work at it. Like you know, I, I'm. behind. never take nothing for granted. I treat every opponent seriously. So. God,
0: I wish yeah. you were on the Clinton campaign. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, like, uh-huh, wish somebody would have had that chat with yep, her. Yep,
1: I think she. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people said maybe she just took it for granted that here's this person that no prior political experience. Ah, what him? No way. And look what happened.
0: Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And uh, finally, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to anyone listening?
1: Hmm. Uh, making sure you uh, tell your loved ones how you feel because um, you never know when it might be, the, it may be the last time you see them, you know? Um, that uh, I think is, for me, is a real important thing to, uh, uh, like I, I had a, my relationship, I'll, I'll use a personal example. Um, my father and I, we sort of had a distant relationship after the, I, the age of 10. Uh, I turned 10. Then we never really engaged a lot. I became closer to my mom. Then, my, years later, my mom passes away. So, you know, she was my best buddy. And then, so this dad was at home by himself. I was still in college or finishing up college. And, you know, everybody's out of the house, so dad's alone. So, and all my siblings were already married, had their own family. So, everybody was saying, well, who's going to keep dad company? So I made the move back to Maui, and and then I thought to myself, well, how is Dad and I going to get along? We're not really close, uh, so. But it's ironic. From death, you know, something good came that came from it. You know, my mom's passing, so I came back. then. got to reengage with my dad again, and then the, about the year before he died, was really one of the best times I had with my dad, and uh, then I, I started reflecting and thinking of letting go of that grudge I had against him for a long time. For not spending those uh, years with me when we drifted apart. Because at that time, it was always about work for dad. Mm. Family second, work first. But he was a great provider. But as I got to understand his mindset, it was about first providing for my family. And then we can start doing the family stuff later. Because I remember him telling me that his one regret was not spending more time with me and the rest of my family because he had put so much emphasis on work and then uh, I finally got to tell him, you know, hey, Dad, I, I love you and uh, forgive me for just holding this grudge against you, you know, for many years. And I'm glad I did it because then, you know, then he died uh, after that. So that's why, uh, that's an important thing I, I tell people, you know, try to forgive if you can. And tell your loved ones you, you love them because you just never know when that last day may come. Because in, in my dad's case, he went out for surgery in Honolulu for heart surgery, which we all thought was routine. We saw Dad in Honolulu and you're supposed to be back the next day then when we come back then during that night we get the word dad passed away so but but at least we, we got to see him you know at yeah. one time but uh, yeah so that's that's my uh, advice uh, to anyone out there cuz you can put work and everything you know, all that is nice and important but the bottom line is family and friends and especially in your toughest times who's going to be there for you yeah. so be good to each other you know I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, touching story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you know, I I, I, really I, appreciate I, that. I, I haven't shared that with too many people, but uh, yeah. That is, that is uh, the best yeah. advice. Yeah. 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 I'm going to call my dad. There you go. Yeah, call your dad, call whoever you haven't seen in a long time. And even somebody, maybe you've had some you know, maybe a, a grudge with, or t- try to let go. It's not easy. It's not easy. I'll I have
0: I'll have my wife call you after this. Oh yeah, about the to quiz to drop that grudge. <laughs> yeah. <she's> got <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, you've been very generous with your time. Oh. We're we're pretty much exactly. Oh, um, on task. Where i Where where you got to go?
1: Um, thank you so much for your time, and okay. please let us
0: know how we can help you. I definitely will do that. Right. I appreciate
1: the time and uh, all that you do for uh, Ram, Jason. Appreciate all right. It. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Right on, man.